1: What's up guys? In case you haven't heard, Blue Wire
2: Studios just dropped their first original podcast, Golden Goal. The show gives you 10 minute episodes all about soccer legends and the moments that made them. Whether you're just learning about soccer for the first time or you're a diehard fan, this podcast is a great listen for everyone. The final two episodes are live right now or binge the entire season to learn about your favorite soccer stars. Check out Blue Wire's Golden Goal, available anywhere you listen to podcasts.
3: Yeah, you heard it. This is Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. He is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today sports media group. And Chris, we are both actively beating the heat mid-pod. So yes. if, if anybody hears fans or anything like that in the background, it's because it's hot. We're in the middle of summer. And we're working on heat beating.
2: <laughs> that's a weird way to say it. <laughs> um, but it hasn't been as hot this summer as it has been in other summers. That's, like very, very,
3: that's very true. We haven't had a triple digit day yet in Oakland, I don't think.
2: Yeah. And typically, like, it's 90 plus in this area. I'm, I'm in Santa Clara, just south of Levi's. It's 90 plus in this area, like, most of the time in the summer. And we've had very few of those days. So I'm thankful for that, fortunately. It's been a little bit easier to beat the heat this time
3: thank goodness so today we're going to talk about the news coming out of the nfl with training camps set to start most teams had their rookies report uh today the day we're recording this tuesday the 49ers are having uh their rookies report on thursday um along with um quarterbacks and injured players And then veterans will report, uh, the rest of the veterans will report on July 28th. But there was some news today about how the NFL is going to go about um, testing and some of the fallout from COVID-19 and trying to hold an NFL season uh, amid a global pandemic. And then we'll also continue our position previews. We're staying on the defensive side and we're going to talk about the cornerbacks today. But, Chris, let's start with the COVID-19 news. I guess it's not really COVID-19 news. It's league news regarding COVID-19. So I'm going to hand the ball to you here and and kind of let you go through what we learned today and, and what it means for the, the 49ers and how they're going to handle camp.
2: Yeah, so what's been going on the last few weeks uh, as as – camp has gotten closer is a lot of discussions between the players union and the league owners, um, about protocols, uh, the, the financial fallout, um, how all of this is going to work essentially with, with the global pandemic going on and the fact that you have to try to hold practices and get a team ready for a full season in a situation where it's not really safe to be among other people, <laughs> as as we've learned. So right. this is this is a really unique situation. Um, but what's happened this week is there's been a lot of headway made between the players' union and the owners in terms of getting everything finalized, uh, so players can return, start returning to their facilities, and and training camp can start. So what happened earlier this week? Um, according to many reports, is that the Players Association and the owners agreed to a testing protocol and basically abolished the entire preseason slate. So there are going to be no preseason games, and players for the first two weeks, uh, once they're all together, are going to be tested daily, and then testing is going to be moved to every other day if testing rates uh, fall at or below 5%. Now what's unclear is whether or not that's a team rate or a league-wide rate. Um, but that I'm sure that'll get figured out once all this stuff is finalized. So the the, the key sticking point, I guess, to say right off the top is that n- <clears throat> none of this is for sure finalized. Like a lot of stuff has been agreed upon, um, but we're still waiting for all of these plans to be signed, sealed and delivered. So um, but we have a lot of the preliminary information about how all this is going to work. Right. So you mentioned um, rookies are reporting Thursday for the 49ers. Uh, Veterans are reporting next Tuesday. So the first day you report, you take your initial COVID-19 test. You go quarantine for two days. You take a second COVID-19 test. And if you pass that, you can come in the day after and take your physical. Once you take your physical and pass that, you can actually enter the facility and start working, doing football-like things. Um, and then you get tested every day. So for for the regular, the, the other players, the non-rookies, quarterbacks, or injured guys, everybody else, they, their first day when they take their test is going to be uh, Tuesday the 28th. So essentially, with this five-day process of testing before you can even get inside the facility, um, the team isn't going to be fully intact until August 1st or 2nd. Um, and that's assuming everything goes to plan. There aren't an overwhelming number of tests to where you can still um, start to get things together. Now, real it, quick, and that, real quick, it, real quick. Go ahead.
3: When is it official that they've canceled preseason games?
2: It's been agreed to. It's not official. Okay. Keep that, on. that I mean, the the Rams sent out an email today to their season ticket holders saying that they expect the preseason to be canceled. So I think... I mean, once you once you make a declaration like that in a public press release right. um, or message to your season ticket holders, it's it's basically, you know, it's basically etched in stone, right? That's just part of the agreement, um, and the overall agreement hasn't been completely signed off on yet. But there, it it doesn't look like there's going to be a preseason. So, um, J.C. Treader, who is the president of the Players Association, was on a conference call last week and talked about a ramp up period. Um, so. I'm I'm bringing this up because there's not going to be practice right away. There's, there's going to be, um, it's not like, okay, once everybody's gets their two tests, uh, over that five day span, and then, and then they're all good to go. Um, that's going to be the start of a con- strength and conditioning program that JC Treader wants to last 21 days. So that essentially is going to put, um, you're, you're, you're looking at the third week of August before, practices even start right and then from there you're you're looking jc treader said you know talking to experts who sort of devise this plan that they presented to the league they want to um they want to have padless practices for 10 days and then two weeks of practices with pads on so essentially you're looking at mid-august conditioning program um, the last week in August or the last 10 days or so of August will be padless practices. And then once you get into September, remember the season openers uh September 13th. So you're look you're gonna be looking at probably less than two weeks or around two weeks of padded practice before the regular season starts. Um so and is
3: this and is this all to make up for the fact that players didn't get Normal OTAs where you get that yeah, strength exactly. and conditioning and, and that on field work. In.
2: Exactly. So what what Treader said is he he said basically he thinks players this year are going to be in worse shape, um, because of the lack of the off season program than they were just generally back in 2011 when there was a lockout and there was no off season program. Uh, Treader thinks because gyms throughout the country or throughout most of the country have been closed that guys. generally are going to need more of a ramp-up period and he said um that year in 2011 because there was no off-season program there was 25 percent more injuries in training camps uh 44 percent more hamstring strains and over double the amount of achilles injuries um so so they want to be really diligent in making sure everybody's like really in shape before they even get going, um, with actual practice. Now, what they will be doing during the, the condition, the strength and conditioning program too, is having meetings and walkthroughs. So it's not going to be like, there's no, uh, there's no on field work doing actual football stuff. They'll be doing it, but it, it'll be, it won't be anything close to a practice. And, and we're not going to see a practice probably till, you know, three weeks into the process. So I would imagine Uh, From a media perspective, we're going to be getting Zoom calls once guys report and are cleared, probably starting next week, um, I would guess. And then once those practices happen, uh, then we'll be allowed to watch um, probably the padded ones, too, going into uh, going into week one. And again, this is if everything goes to plan and and obviously, you know, a breakout in on the 49ers or any other team could, could force this whole thing to, uh, to grind to a halt. But if, you know, if there's, if there's good news, I guess, like if you just look at the raw data of like the number of cases in Santa Clara County, it's 0.4% of the population in Santa Clara has tested positive. Right. So like you know, there, there have been um, there have been hundreds of new cases each day, but because there are one point nine million people in Santa Clara County, the total number uh, I want to say is around oh, I forget off the top of my head, but I did the math earlier today and I came up with point zero four percent of the population has it. So it wouldn't be completely crazy for a team to be able to do this with hundreds of people in a building um, with everyday testing and making sure everybody was on it, wearing masks. Um, there's obviously going to be a ton of hand sanitizer everywhere in the building. Um, they're they're going to thin out the locker room. There was a report today that instead of a 90-man offseason roster, it's probably going to be 80. Um, so, you know, the Niners are probably going to end up splitting their locker room in, in two. Uh, They'll probably have some guys in the visiting locker at Levi's Stadium because they really only have 60 lockers, 60 permanent lockers in their normal locker room, um, which they use both during the week and for home games. Um, So it's it's going to be way different. They're not going to be in their typical meeting rooms. A lot of their position groups are too big for their meeting rooms in terms of like social distance protocols. So they're gonna I mean the one of the things about Levi Stadium is it has tons of different club areas and areas that have been rented out for parties and all that right. stuff. Or you could just have chairs in a big expansive room with high ceilings and set up a projector in the front and, and that's your new meeting room. So they'll be fine, I think, from that perspective. Um, but you know, this this thing could get shut down. I mean, the, the good news is you look I- at what the NBA's done, there have been zero tests. Uh, earlier this week, there were tests, zero positive tests in the NBA bubble in Orlando. So the NBA has done a really good job of containing it. But the the difference is, obviously, the NFL isn't going to be in, in a bubble. And I was told that the players are actually pushing for uh, pushing for a chance to live out of their homes early on in training camp, because typically what happens is during the first two weeks, the entire team stays at the team hotel nearby Right. Um, And there's still going to be a lot of guys in the hotel because a lot of guys are new and they don't have homes in the area and all that. Um, So, but a lot of guys, I think veterans in particular are going to want to stay home. Uh, So, you know, you're, you're, you're still going to be quarantining at home and like you have family members around, but it's still not necessarily a controlled environment and it's not a bubble. So there, you know, no, I mean, the thing is, is like no sport can operate with a thousand percent certainty. So... The NFL is is fine with that, and there's a lot of money on the line. and And for now, they feel like they can go through this thing without having to uh, to slow it down and push it back as long as they're all diligent with all their protocols and everything like that.
3: So with all these rules in place and all these changes and and uh, protocols, y- you've seen how how training camps work. Is this something where you could see it realistically working, or is it like, man, a lot of stuff has to go right, and there can't be a single kind of, like, for example, in the NBA bubble, uh, Rashawn Holmes, who plays for the Kings, crossed the bubble threshold to go pick up some food, and then had to go quarantine for eight days. Is it a scenario where oh something like that happens, they can go quarantine, or is it a scenario where like if one player steps out of these protocols, it could conceivably kind of shut the whole operation down?
2: It's hard to say. I mean, that's the reason why the players wanted daily testing was because right. what, what Richard Sherman told Peter King, I think, in, in uh, the Football Morning in America column that came out this week was that. There are false positives and false negatives all the time with these tests. So the more they're testing, theoretically, the more they can be sure um, to where they could catch something without it spreading, right? Like someone could take a test, like theoretically, if they're testing every two or three days, somebody could take a test, it'd be a false negative, and then they could spread it for two or three days before taking another test, at least with the daily testing, you have, you have a better chance of avoiding false negatives. So, you know, I can't say for certain, but, uh, like, I, I think there's, there's going to be protocol in place about quarantining guys. And I think there's going to be contract contact tracing. Um, I read something about, I think it was in that same article about, uh, at least the, I think the Vikings are doing this. I don't, I I should remember. I read too much during the week. I forget (laughs) where things are coming from but wow what a
3: humble brag somebody said no i read said, no, i read i, read, I spend time, time on the me.
2: internet like reading stories i'm not i'm not like some learned like, sorry i can't i can't hear word. you up there on your pedestal yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's hot up here i'm trying to beat the heat <laughs> um no but like the i think there's going to be con contact tracing so they're going to have an idea Um, I think because people are going to wear those wristbands. I I know they're, they're doing that in the NBA bubble. I don't know how effective it's going to be, frankly. I mean, you're going to have 80 players. You probably have 20, 25 more coaches and support staff people. Um, you know, like on the practice field, there's, there's probably going to be 120, 130 people out there. At least that's what, what there is typically. Um, So, you know, it's, it's hard to say, but, but it's going to be up to the players ultimately. Like if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I'm telling guys, look, your way to make this team is to not get sick. And if you're at home and like, obviously no one can guarantee that they're not going to get sick, but like, you know, guys will guys in the NFL go out. They have social lives. They hang out with people outside of their households. Like that's, that's a very common thing for the NFL. And typically, I feel like it would be hard to get everybody to abide by that. But if you're a coach saying like, look, your future on this team depends on your ability to stay disciplined and avoid the temptation to go out or see a bunch of other people where you don't know where they've been, um, situations like that. Like I, I just think that's the motivation if you're Kyle Shannon to, to try to get these guys to be responsible. And obviously, you can be responsible and still get it, which is the tough part of this whole thing. Um, but you know, like you know, you you've been going to work. You know, knock um, on wood, you haven't gotten it. I I've I been not staying that I know on. of anyway. Right? Yeah, you could be asymptomatic. That's that's the other scary thing about this is that I think forty percent of all cases transmitted are from asymptomatic people. Um, So that's the scary thing about all this is nobody really knows for sure. Uh, And somebody could bring, could bring the virus into the facility, no doubt. But if you're testing every day, if you're contact tracing, if you're avoiding, um, you know, if you're wearing masks, if you're constantly using hand sanitizer and washing your hands and social distancing and all that stuff, you should have a pretty good shot. So, you know, like. The NBA for now is is giving me optimism. There hasn't been a massive breakout in baseball, which is going to be the most similar to the NFL because guys are going to be traveling around and not in a bubble in a in a hotel resort in Orlando. Um, so we'll see. You know, like I don't, I don't speak. I, I can't, here's... I can't have any confidence that that this will work because sure. cases are spiking, and and you're, now you're asking to to have you know, basically large groups together being very close and playing a physical sport and all that. So we'll see. I think it's going to start. I think it'll work. We'll just have to see once the regular season starts if there isn't a breakout. I I, I think it'll I think it'll start and be fine uh, in the beginning. Just whether or not the entire season goes as planned is an entirely different subject. And I have absolutely right. zero answers as to the viability of it.
3: Here's, here's the way I'm looking at this, because no matter uh, un, until there is a vaccine that works and it's used and it, this was always going to be a concern, like there were always going to be question marks. I mean, MLB is supposed to start on Thursday. The NBA is supposed to start the following week. And there are still questions like everything looks good. The testing numbers are low. I think the NBA just came out and said they didn't have have any positive tests and MLB was at like 0.05% and everything seems to be working but the question marks are going to linger and with the NFL the question marks are going to be even bigger just because of the nature of the sport and the number of bodies and and and, and uh, just football like it, it was going to be it was going to be really difficult to to play this sport in a pandemic but the the bigger deal for me is while the questions may still be there this just this weekend when the players were tweeting out hashtag we want to play it looked like oh man this may be like a real like labor battle that looks like MLBs where they wind up having to start pushing the calendar back and you have players sitting out and and not turning not not showing up to camp and it just looked like four days ago this was gonna get really ugly or could get really ugly Right. So the fact that they have most of the important things hammered out, or are just kind of tweaking, uh, fine tuning the details, I, I think is is a huge positive because they weren't there. There was nothing the NFL or the Players Association was going to do that was going to eradicate all concerns. So the fact they have protocols in place, I think testing every day for two weeks is really smart, and the fact they have a plan. <laughs> A plan in place now where three or four days ago it looked like they were going, "Ah, just report to camp, we'll figure it out, is is good news.
2: Yeah, and I'm also like, obviously, you never want there to be a global pandemic, but the fact that there's no preseason is awesome. It's great news. Yes.
3: I can't hear, can I um, selfishly say something?
2: Sure. Great.
3: Uh, I'm supposed to be going to Tahoe for my 30th birthday and hanging out just at a cabin up there with my girlfriend and my mom and dad and her mom and dad. Mm -hmm. And um, I was going to probably have to cover at least one, maybe two uh, preseason games. I almost said training camps. Uh, Preseason games. And now it doesn't look like I'm going to have to. So I was a little bit excited about that. Yeah. And covering preseason games, while I'm very lucky to be able to do it for a living, it's my least favorite thing.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt. They're always at night. Um, Night games are really tough on writers because of deadlines. I know you don't have the same deadlines I do because we work for different mediums, but it's just it's it's miserable. It also lies to fans like I, I think. I've complained a lot about how terrible the preseason is. And yeah, forget
3: it forget the job
2: aspect. I get fans are entertained by it and and the fact that it's their favorite team on a field. Um, I get all that. That's, that's like a thing, and, and people will always tune in to watch. But the product on the field is lying to you in terms of evaluating the team. Like, if somebody plays really well in a preseason game, very rare is it the case now where some guy is going to make the team only because he plays well in the preseason like it i would say 95 percent of these determinations are made by what happens on the practice field there there right. isn't yeah. nearly as much importance on the preseason in terms of player evaluations i think that's a massive misnomer particularly for kyle shanahan I, i've asked him basically every year since he's since he's come on to uh to elaborate essentially on how we views used the preseason versus training camp and It's a, it's always training camp. That's always the most important thing. And also like a lot of dudes who are going to make the team just don't get any run, even if they're second stringers in the preseason. Yeah. Right. Like backups who, you know, are going to make the team or, you know, are going to be core special teamers. They're not out in the preseason playing like 40 snaps. Like the the guys playing have are are largely predetermined guys who are probably gonna get cut unless they're injuries. I think
3: the only the only time a a preseason game really has an impact is one, as you just mentioned, injuries. And two if if there are two guys who who are really close and they're getting equal practice reps and and they're both back end of the roster guys who are who are fighting for one spot and one of them is just a total disaster in live action, like then maybe that has an impact. But um like nick mullins and cj bethard nick mullins won that job because of how he played in practice not how he did in games
2: yeah well i mean he was better in regular season games well that i
3: meant sorry i meant in the preseason like right. Kyle shanahan said it was a clean slate and right they they were on equal footing going into the year but nick mullins won that job right all right
2: i think let's, we have hit on everything COVID related yeah um, let's
3: let's talk some uh, let's talk some football after the break
2: okay Sports, including football and baseball and basketball, and we already have soccer, they're coming back. And so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24 um, 7. Should we. As, as a podcast, as a collective, throw a little bit of cheddar on the A's to uh, to maybe win a yes. World Series here. Yes, whatever
3: you're going to say, yes.
2: Okay. Betonline.ag. I'm going to check the odds right now. I love this. Um, I hope they
3: like this read that we're doing. Okay,
2: I'm going to keep reading, and then at the end of the read, I'll go back because it's loading and being slow. Okay, cool. Um. On the entertainment side Floyd Money Mayweather joins the bet online team to bring you a brand new segment. Wow the ice is right that's
1: hilarious.
2: Uh, Floyd talks about all his jewelry and gives you the chance to bet on the cost of his hold on I gotta reread this
3: That is the most rich person thing I've ever heard in my life
2: let me let me reread this <laughs> so, so I don't screw it up. Floyd talks about all his jewelry and gives you the chance to bet on the cost of his bling to win some great prizes. That is a wild sentence. Visit betonline.ag for, for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to see, receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online wagering expert. The Oakland A's are plus 2,000 to win the World Series.
3: I 20 to that. 1. I love that.
2: Let's I I think we should take it.
3: So bet 10 to win 200?
2: Yeah. I'm going to bet more than 10.
3: Okay, we can discuss Humble exactly drag. how much we're going to wager on this
2: later. Yeah, it's not it's not for consumption, but there's going to be some money thrown on the uh the Athletics of Oakland. I love that. Um All right. So we're talking about cornerbacks, aren't we? Yes.
3: I also just got to the uh, the betonline.ag portion where they have MLB specials, win totals, season player props, and season specials. So we will get on a phone call and decide what we want to do here, and uh, we'll have some fun with it. Let's get back to the pot.
2: Yeah, let's talk corners.
3: Cornerbacks. So we're almost done with our 49ers positional previews. I think we'll probably do a a more training camp-specific positional breakdown right now we're just kind of going through the entire roster and uh assessing where where each spot kind of was to finish the 2020 season and we'll get into more specific players and and position battles and what we think is going to happen there once once we we get further into training camp but right now we're going to look at at the cornerbacks and and i think this is really kind of one of the biggest position battles where um we will continue to talk about this all the way through until week one. Uh, on the on the depth chart right now, uh, the 49ers have Richard Sherman, Emmanuel Mosley, uh, K1 Williams, Akela Witherspoon, Dante Johnson, Jason Verrett, uh, Demarcus AC, who's an undrafted rookie, Jermaine Kelly, and then Tim Harris, who was a sixth round pick last year and spent the year on injured reserve. Um, the. The 49ers, to me, at corner have kind of the same issue they had going into the offseason. They didn't really do anything to address that position, and it still feels really top-heavy. Their depth is, is not great.
2: Yeah, I think cornerback is probably the position that was hurt the most by the fact that the 49ers did not have a whole lot of draft capital to work with right so like they traded for they traded a third and fourth for Emmanuel Sanders um and they traded a two for D Ford back in in 2019 so you know they were operating from from a standpoint of not having a whole lot of ammunition to address depth on the roster and i think when you look at just the way the roster is constructed cornerback is obviously the the area that um is going to get a lot of focus probably starting with this upcoming offseason because Richard Sherman is playing in the last year of his contract. Uh, so is Akela Witherspoon. So is Kaywan Williams. Emmanuel Mosley is a restricted rights free agent. So he's more than likely going to come back. Um, but you have a ton of questions because three of your top four corners are unsigned beyond this season. And it's a premium position. Um, and you don't have a, a guy really waiting in the wings, uh, ready to take over that starting job. Right now, backing up um backing up all those guys are are veterans Dante Johnson and Jason Verrett. And Johnson's been around in the league for a while. He's he's been a backup for a while, and the 49ers are obviously very familiar with him. Verett is somebody who's really hasn't been good since 2015 um and played three snaps last year and i think it was three and got burned for a long pass interference and then a long touchdown on back-to-back plays against the steelers before ending his season on injured reserve uh because he needed a, a knee procedure i believe so you really don't have that you know second third fourth round pick you do have dj reed but he tore his pack um and is probably going to be out until at least mid season, I would think. And he might even miss the whole year, depending on how severe the torn pack was, but he's a slot guy and, and probably somebody who you're going to rely on more maybe as a backup safety than, than you would as a backup outside cornerback. But I, I mean, the point remains is that you don't really have a guy you're grooming to develop for the future. And because you're already up against a salary cap, presumably Um, you might not be able to pay those guys. So you, you might be looking at a scenario where you invest multiple early picks at the position next year, um, which would be a very interesting way to go, but it it might be needed because of how important that position is. Um, and how vital the success of the past defense was just overall to, to the 49ers success, uh, in 2019.
3: The thing with DJ Reed is that he was K1 Williams backup. He played most of the snaps when Williams was out against the Falcons last season in week 15. And Reed showed in 2018 that, that that slot corner spot is really where he's most effective. So I, I we, we talked a little bit about that when his injury was announced that it's not a huge blow unless, unless they do lose K1 Williams and, Williams is also a free agent and Reed might be the guy they're kind of looking at to, to take over in the slot if they lose K one Williams in free agency. Um, That's the other thing hanging over this position going into the year is that Sherman Mosley Williams and Witherspoon, their top four corners are all free agents uh, going into the year. And you have noted here that Mosley is a uh, restrictive free agent. So he's likely going to come back, but Sherman Witherspoon and, and Williams all being though. That could be their three starting corners this year, and they could all be hitting free agency. That's just concerning. I think yeah. going, in, go, going into a season where there's, there's just, they still have to sign George Kittle. They have Trent Williams hitting free agency, and we don't know what the salary caps going to look like.
2: Right. And, And I think the biggest question mark among those guys is Richard Sherman. And I I think, I think Sherman wants to keep playing. And I think the 49ers of course would, would love to have Sherman. Um, But I think it's going to come down to the price and, you know, the cost benefit analysis of, all right, Richard Sherman's obviously still really good, but you know, he's, he would potentially be taking valuable reps away from somebody we want to develop. Right. So like, right. De- de- depending on how it goes, you know, it-, it might be tough to bring Sherman back. Um, But on the other hand, they could say, all right, we're going to use our first round pick on a corner uh, and then just start that guy opposite Sherman and bring Sherman back on, on a modest deal. But is Richard Sherman, the 33 year old going to be you know, effective enough to, to warrant keeping him around. I think right. he would be um, because he was still excellent last year. He was obviously one of the best corners in the league. And and so much of what he does is based on preparation and instincts and just knowledge and and knowing what receivers are going to do um, just based on their alignments and formations and things like that. Sherman told me, and I, I wrote about a story about this. He, he thinks probably 75, 80% of the time, He knows what route the receiver is going to run purely based on alignment and formation.
3: That's, that's wild. Go watch his interception against the Panthers. Right. He, he, he gets to the spot before the receiver is like out of his route. It's really funny.
2: What's crazy about Sherman too. I don't know if you, if you ever just like watch him play, he, it looks like (laughs) he's not, I mean, just, just focus, just focus (laughs) on him. What's interesting about Sherman is he will do super subtle things like take a step inside and basically beat a player, beat a receiver to a spot or before his cut. And then the receiver's play is basically over. He's like, well, I'm not open because Sherman's in perfect position to make a play on the ball because he knows what the route is. And sometimes it's like Sherman doesn't even have to do a whole lot. He'll like
3: just kind of stand there.
2: Yeah, he'll start to he'll start to like turn and make his move before the snap. And then the receiver just can't run the route because Sherman's sitting there where where he would break. And it, and it's kind of funny because it's like it looks like, well, like, why isn't the res, this receiver running hard or why isn't he? It's like Sherman's already got him beat just based on positioning. Um, and it doesn't take crazy athleticism to do that. And, and it, I think it's it's what makes Sherman a really unique player and why he can be so effective even at a later stage in his career because there aren't many 33-year-old corners um yeah. in the league playing at a high level if anybody can do it it's Sherman but yeah. it's it's you know you can you can hit a wall physically and then you start to fall off a cliff and so you know maybe that happens i mean it ultimately if Sherman plays well this year there's no reason not to bring him back yeah completely agree if he loses a step and it's noticeable and you know he I think he was PFF's best corner in the league last year in terms of not giving up long passes, um, and I know he had the Devonte Adams play in the NFC title game. He also followed that up by making an interception on on a it's, deep pass.
3: It's so rare that he gets beat multiple times by right. the same route.
2: Right, and he he misplay. He took he had a misstep on the the Sammy Watkins play in the Super Bowl. So they're obviously. You know he's not completely infallible. He can give up big passes, but they are very few and far between. But you know, it's it's going to be tougher for him to to keep with these receivers who are you know nine, eight, nine years younger than him. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's it's just a fact of life as a, as a pro in the league. So if Sherman's good, I think he's back in twenty twenty one. If he takes a noticeable step back, I think the I could I could see the 49ers going a different direction, um, because like they need cap space, they need their draft picks, um, so it'll you know it'll it'll be really interesting. I think for, to me, Sherman's the biggest question mark beyond this season going forward, uh, even more so than Witherspoon and and I mean Kwan Williams. You'd like to bring back, and you probably can because slot corners typically don't get a ton of money. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if if another team through more money than the 49ers are willing to offer because keep in mind, they have to pay George Kittle and Fred Warner and presumably they want to pay Trent Williams or not have to use a first round pick on a tackle if they don't pay Trent Williams. Yeah. So yeah, you got, you you got to be really prudent with how you spend your money. So cornerback can be a very expensive position, particularly if you try to bring in a free agent, maybe that's an avenue the 49ers decide to go instead of bringing back Sherman.
3: Oh, I can't believe you forgot Jamar Taylor.
2: Oh, sorry. Man,
3: Jamar Taylor is also on the roster. I said you. I, I forgot <laughs> Jamar Taylor. <laughs> Just blaming you for all my mistakes. Yeah, Jamar Taylor is also on the roster. The 49ers signed him uh, when they cut tease Tabor when Tabor went down with an injury.
2: Anyways. Yeah. Um, The other question I have, Tony Oden. He's the new secondary's coach, uh, mm-hmm. Joe Woods. Really, really good secondary coach last year. Uh, defensive pass game coordinator. Also, he's now the defensive coordinator with the Cleveland Browns, and he was really instrumental in the secondary improving last year. Um, and we really don't know anything about Tony Odin. Tony Odin, and the <laughs> the Niners haven't even announced that he's on their staff. Like typically, when you make hires, like you send out a press release with all this biographical info the Niners haven't done that and this hire happened in February um, which is kind of funny but uh from 49ers web zone they they did a little bit of a dive um he spent time with the Texans New Orleans Saints Jaguars Buccaneers Lions um and he's where and he's been the defensive backs coach for the Dolphins the last two years um he was on the Saints staff in 2009 that Super Bowl winning team and he's been working with defensive backs since 2006. Um, so do we know if Tony Oden is going to be really good? I, I can't tell you. He's got a he's got a decent resume. Um, the 49ers have been good in identifying assistant coaches. Uh, I, I feel like there isn't a glaring weakness on their coaching staff. Um, just in turn, I, I feel like they have a lot of really high level assistants. So, they have an eye for that kind of stuff, and the 49ers would be a destination franchise if you were a secondary's coach trying to replace Joe Woods. So I would imagine Tony Oden is going to be a good coach, but um, I haven't spoken to anybody about his coaching style, what he's been like in meeting rooms, so that'll be something that um, we'll figure out as players report back and, and get time actually coaching, uh, getting coaching from him in person as opposed to Zoom calls.
3: Yeah, there was so much credit given to the 49ers pass rush last year for the improvement of their secondary. Their secondary is really bad in 2018 and then vastly improved in 2019 when they had the, the best pass defense in the league from a yardage perspective. And I think a lot of that got attributed to the pass rush, and we'll see how much of it had to do with, with Joe Woods, I guess. Um, and then the, the Niners also, I guess it's worth noting, hired Mike Rutenberg as their passing game coordinator on defense. Which is a spot that that Woods held along with secondary coach. So, they have two guys replacing Joe Woods now.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so there's
3: there's there's a name you have here on the on the rundown that I don't know. I don't want to get super far into it because there's a really good chance that he's just a total non-factor. But Tim Harris was a sixth round pick last year,
4: mm-hmm. and
3: um was really good in college when he was healthy and was a really highly touted prospect coming out of high school. Yep. And he's big bodied really talented player who if he turns it around and gets healthy, I think he could be a really legitimate factor, not only like to make the team, but I think he could push for a starting job if Mosley and Witherspoon are, are, are struggling at all. And yeah, I I
2: think he's somebody who could have been, in a day one or day two pick if his college career had gone exactly to plan and it right. didn't right so this is somebody he's six two he's got nearly 32 inch arms um he ran a four four five which is which is really good for for somebody that size uh 39 inch vertical jump um less than seven seconds in the three cone. so he has the physical traits <clears throat> the problem is you mentioned the injuries. He tore his labrum in 2016 and then had a wrist injury in 2017. He only, he got medical red shirts for both those seasons. So he entered college in 2013 and didn't exit until 2018. And then before he could even uh, really start his pro career, he had a groin injury last August and then spent the entire season on injured reserves. So um, I think he's going to be 25 by the time the season starts. Yeah, he turns I he'll turn 25 uh, at the end of this month of 31st. So he's still young. Um, presumably he's fresh and he does have a lot of athleticism and a lot of upside, as you point out. And maybe he is that guy that we're sort of overlooking as this developmental guy who could potentially replace the starters. But yeah, I'm always hesitant to just be confident in a dude that has such a long injury history that he's, uh, you know, to count on him having a role. Do you remember the name of the defensive lineman that Trent Baalke drafted? I want to say in 14 or 15 out of BC, who was like a really high end prospect and everybody thought he was going to be really good, but he was in college forever and then he got hurt and never played for the Niners. Cause I'm getting kind of similar vibes. This isn't good content. Um... We should cut it out if we can't come up with his name. This
3: feels like a trivia question, and I don't want you to look up the answer because I'm going to think about it. Keep
2: going. Uh, I am looking up the answer because it's going to punch me in the face. Caleb Ramsey. I would that, never
3: have gotten to Caleb Ramsey, so that's, I'm glad you looked it up.
2: All right. Remember Caleb Ramsey? Nope. Was the guy... <laughs> very similar story to tim harris and that really high-end prospect really physically gifted ton of injuries in college and had issues in the pros caleb ramsey also i think had a ped suspension um as a member of the 49ers before he he i think he retired actually but um yeah caleb ramsey 2014 seventh round pick sort of similar story so That sort of colors my opinion of Tim Harris and maybe he ends up being really good, but I think it's, it's just hard to count on him to, to do that.
3: Yeah. So what I wanted to, I just wanted to make sure we mentioned Tim Harris as like a name to kind of keep it. We're not going to sit here and pound the table for Tim Harris before the start of the year. It's just like, Hey, he might be a guy. Um, Is last question here is Jason Verrett going to ever be healthy do you think
2: i i don't think so i mean it's
3: it's just hard to bank bank on at all
2: the thing was when he was playing early in camp last year he was really good yeah like he, he looked he's really a good
3: really good player
2: yeah he was a first round pick all the physical tools like the tenacity the toughness he's a smaller corner but he's proven to excel in the in the scheme um, really good instinctual corner. I think one thing people don't realize about the 49ers, there's so much talk about the zone defense. And they do run a lot of zone, but when they're evaluating guys, they're they're not necessarily looking for zone corners to run a zone scheme. They're looking for really good man-to-man corners that they can um, that they can teach how to play in their zone scheme. Because ultimately the most important plays, they're gonna be in man-to-man coverage, because that's typically what you play on third down, right? So mirroring skills, staying in phase, finding the ball, um, those are all super important things for corners. So when, you, when you're, you know, zoom in to next spring or whenever the draft happens, if it's pushed back to June or whatever, and and don't be transfixed on size and, and you know, the fact that they played heavy zone schemes in college. There are guys who the 49ers have drafted who certainly fit that profile, but um, the way they actually evaluate cornerbacks really starts with man-to-man cover skills, and that's where Jason Verrett was really, really good. Um, When he was good back in 2015 and when he was, you know, playing well, and I think it was, you know, three or four practices in training camp before he got hurt uh, in early August last year.
4: Because he had had an ankle injury.
2: He had an ankle injury then he and missed a bunch of time in August. Then came back week two um, and got hurt. The
3: There was this... When Akella Witherspoon went down against the Steelers and Jason Barrett entered the game...
2: Yeah, that was week three. I said week two. I meant week three.
3: Yeah, there was this like, oh, here it is. Like, this is a game changer for the 49ers. And then he... I... I'm guessing hurt himself like on that first play, where where he got he got beat and got the pass interference, and then he got beat again. And just he wasn't close to Deontay Johnson, the receiver. Like it right. was it it, was, it it just it didn't you you could tell something was off. Um, yeah, it was
2: definitely alarming.
3: And, and I think I think there was this kind of excitement that the Niners had this Pro Bowl caliber corner just kind of on their roster and he had had all this extra time to get healthy and now he's in a game and what is this going to look like and then he just gets hurt again so I think even if even if he goes into camp this year and falls out and let's say wins the starting job it's going to be really hard to to just pencil him in for 16
2: games I would be shocked if, if he wins a starting job
3: yeah, same. I, I'm I'm just throwing out the like you know right. scenario where that happens. Um, I think it's I think if he's healthy, he's a back end of the roster guy, and they cross their fingers if he gets in that he stays healthy. But yeah, um, he I, could I'm, also play I'm, in the slot ro- too. I think. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm rooting for him because you feel terrible.
2: Yeah, he's a good dude. Um, yeah. he's from Fairfield. Uh, Spent some time in, at Santa Rosa Junior College on Mendocino Avenue, right next to Santa Rosa High School, probably the best high school in the country. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of respect for Jason Barrett. Yeah,
3: I hope my, crossing my fingers he he is healthy and and is
2: available. Cool. Okay, point. all right. right well, we'll end with this: Who wins Please. the starting job opposite Richard Sherman? Is it going to be Emmanuel Mosley? It's or Emmanuel, Emmanuel
3: Mosley. Emmanuel Mosley. Right. Like he's just he's better can we he is he played better every time he was on the field last year ergo he's better
2: a uh, keller witherspoon was really good in weeks one and two
3: that oh like that, really that, no, good that, that that's great right i remember it was, it was wow keller witherspoon all pro level da, 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 da. but he
2: was breaking it felt like he was breaking up every pass thrown his direction those first two weeks yeah, and he, absolutely. he had a pick six 10 the tampa game and he dropped a pick six Yes. the next week.
3: Yeah, he was he was playing great. I'm not, but it's the ups and downs. It's yeah. the fact that he got benched twice in a no two week span, where I don't. I, Eric Crocker was on our, our podcast, and he mentioned that with Akella Witherspoon, it's just like confidence and consistency. Right, and if you're playing well when your confidence is high, but then you're getting benched because your confidence takes a dip the first time you get beat, I just. I don't know. It, it feels like it feels like Mosley's the guy, um, and yeah. maybe a color Witherspoon proves me wrong and is awesome for sixteen games and earns an All Pro nod. But uh, it was also I, I,
2: Moseley, Moseley um, was it. I know Jimmy Ward because he was the guy in the area. Uh, I mean, can we can say it was Emmanuel Mosley's fault on third and fifteen? Right? Have we said that already? Yeah, dude. He was the one who blew yeah. the coverage. It yeah. was also, and I don't. We don't need to There's re-litigate a really this. Really good
3: offensive play, call, like. There's a lot of things that went wrong
2: for the Niners. Actually. So, yeah. No one. I, I just credit, like, why did it happen? I don't think it happened because the 49ers defense screwed up. I think it happened because what Pat Mahomes did on that play was just fucking incredible. So, let's go back to it. And I forget. <laughs> I forget We're which not going to relitigate
3: this. We're going to relitigate it.
2: All right. Pat Mahomes is in shotgun, he takes a 12 yard drop. So he's. 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage there's a player flashing in front of emmanuel mosley's face who's running open towards the sideline uh who would have converted the third and 15 had he made the catch so mosley thinking that patrick mahomes is a human with a human arm is probably going to go for the receiver in front of him because that's the most likely path to the first down what mosley did by doing that was leave room for tyree kill who was past him, and of course Patrick Mahomes has just ridiculous arm strength. Was way back in the pocket, and Mosley was just covering the wrong guy. But it, it technically was him who blew the coverage. But I don't blame him. It I credit the Chiefs and Mahomes for for doing that. Right. Okay. Are we good? Yep. Not okay. Jimmy
3: Ward's fault. That's the that was the not worst.
2: Jimmy Ward's fault. And we're not just saying that because we're we're Jimmy That's, Ward people. That's
3: a little bit why I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very confident in my place here on Jimmy Ward Island. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> All right. We are uh we're gonna get out of here. Uh that was our COVID talk and cornerback breakdown. We'll have a safety breakdown next week. Did we decide what we're gonna do with kickers and punters? Kicker and punter? Are we skipping? Um out. We'll do you want to do lo- it a two pod? pod Yeah, one for gold, one for Wischnowski. And then oh, no, we'll see if we can get Kyle Nelson on for an hour-long deep dive
2: into Snap. Yeah, three-part pod on Can't Specialist.
3: Wait. Can't wait.
2: Um, are we doing an old rush this week?
3: Um, We will have to talk about it. We'll do something on Thursday. I'm not sure if it'll be an old rush.
2: Players um, are going to... Players, by the time the next pod comes out, players are going to have been reported and yeah. taking taking their first COVID tests. So maybe we'll have something to talk about on that front. Hopefully we won't. Hopefully, like... They get tested, everyone's fine, and we don't have anything to talk about, so we can't do an old rush. That, that's my vote.
3: Cool, dig it. Um, we'll have to see. Uh, we be the talk about game. it We're the on the Saints podcast. game. Yeah, we are on the Saints divisional playoff game. So here's, I'll talk to you off the pod. We may have okay. an old rush for you on Thursday. Stay tuned. Check your feed. Subscribe. Rate. Review. Candlestick Chronicles. He's Chris Peterman I'm Kyle and see you.
1: This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. He
3: takes everybody up. Messi has got it!
1: From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe. From Zlatan Ibrahimović's brash confidence with the play to back it up to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair...